Don Mockholtz, and you're listening to Looking Up with Don. This is the Looking Up with Don podcast, episode number 98 for the week of November 17th, 2021. The related website for this podcast is donmacholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com. Two H's. What's up in the sky this week? As our week begins on Wednesday, November 17th, the moon is nearly full in our evening sky, big and bright and up all night. There will be a lunar eclipse two days later. By next Tuesday, November 23rd, the moon will be 85% full, rising perhaps three hours after sunset. This is a good week to photograph moonrise, with the moon placed further north than normal. A reminder that we will have a partial lunar eclipse on Tuesday night, Friday morning, November 18th, 19th. The moon passes through the Earth's shadow, just south of the middle of the shadow. And at maximum eclipse, the southern portion of the moon, about 3% of it, will still have some sunlight shining on it. Anyone who can see the moon can see the eclipse. It will be visible in North America and most of South America. Also, in portions of Australia and Eastern Asia, they will see it too. The moon will be north of the equator in the constellation Taurus and only six degrees from the Pleiades, also known as the Seven Sisters. Monitor the visibility of the cluster as the moon enters and exits the Earth's shadow. The center of this lunar eclipse, the maximum, is at 0903 Universal Time on Friday, November 19th. That translates to 4.03 Eastern Standard Time and 1.03 in the morning Pacific Standard Time in the United States. Three hours before that time, the moon begins to move into our outer shadow. But you're unlikely to notice that for the first 30 minutes or so. One hour and 45 minutes before maximum eclipse, the moon will begin to enter the inner shadow, and that should be rather obvious. After the time of maximum eclipse, 9.03 universal time, the pattern is reversed. So, an hour and 45 minutes after 0903 universal time, the moon will have completely exited the inner shadow of the Earth. And three hours after that time, the moon will be completely free of the Earth's shadow. The next lunar eclipse occurs on May 16th, 2022, about six months from now. South America is favored for that one. Most of North America will be able to see that one too, but the moon will be low in the southern evening sky. Then... On November 8th of next year, 2022, there will be another lunar eclipse, 
This one was center, will be centered over Hawaii. The western portion of North America will see that one and most of Australia. And don't forget Venus, Saturn, and Jupiter in our evening sky. By the last week of December, now that's in six weeks, Venus will be gone. That will be followed by Saturn in the second week of January and Jupiter in late January. Will you be able to see the International Space Station this week, which for our purposes begins Wednesday, November 17th through Tuesday, November 23rd? Have you noticed how crowded it's getting on the International Space Station these days? Whether or not you can see it, though, depends upon where you are located. This week we have four zones. All you need to know is your latitude. North of 61 degrees north, you will not see it at all. And south of 35 degrees south, you will not see it at all. Between 15 and 61 degrees north, the ISS will be in your evening sky this week. North of 48 degrees, up to 61 degrees, the ISS will be in your evening sky the second part of the week. Between 35 and 48 degrees north is the sweet spot. It will be in your evening sky for the whole week, sometimes twice per night. And from about 15 to 35 degrees no north, the ISS will be in your evening sky for only the first part of the week. That leaves only one more area, and that's between 15 degrees north and 35 degrees south. If you live in that area, the International Space Station will be in your morning sky. The sweet spot here is from about minus 10 to minus 20 degrees will be in your morning sky all week long, sometimes twice per morning. North of there, you'll see it in the first part of the week. South of that zone, it will be in your morning sky for the last part of the week. To determine where it will be in your sky, go to the website heavens-above.com and enter your location, then click on ISS. The comets visible this week are plotted on Podcast 98, Maps 1 and 2, this week's maps. For more detailed real-time positions and maps, go to the heavens-above.com website and click on Comets. But with the moon in the sky, this will probably be a difficult week to see those comets. I picked up comet 2021A1 Leonard this week using my big binoculars. It looks very nice with a short tail. The binoculars I used for this observation are large, 130 millimeter, that's more than 5 inch aperture, and 29 power. This is the same instrument that I've used for four of my 12 comet discoveries. It was 50 years ago this month that I joined the U.S. Army, November 4th, 1971. In those days, a draft lottery was held each year, and the number you got depended upon your birthday. And in the lottery held August 5th, 1971, I got number 80. 80 out of 365, and they start at number one and work down the list. As it has turned out, 
numbers 1 through 92 were eligible for the draft, but I did not know that at the time. So I checked out the armed services, the Air Force, the Navy, and my dad was in the Navy for 30 years, the Army, and the Marines. The Air Force and the Navy were four-year commitments, and when you are 19, four years seems like a long time. The Marines was two years, and I would probably be in Vietnam even though it was winding down in 1971. The Army promised you a school after basic training, and the commitment was three years, so I chose that. My first choice for schooling was small appliance repair, but that school was full. My second choice was meteorological observer, which consisted of recording and charting the weather. That was a 19-week school in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, after my basic training. What's the astronomical unit to all this? This is it, basic training. Eight weeks long was at Fort Ord, along the central California coast, just north of Monterey, California. Even though it was at sea level and by the ocean, it was very cold there. I recall the mornings when we had to fall out and stand in rows in front of our barracks at 5 a.m. each morning. When the sky was clear, I could see the stars as we stood facing south. I remember seeing the constellation Orion in the southwestern sky. And as the weeks progressed, it inched closer to the west each morning. I thought about deep space, what it would be like in the Orion Nebula. Is it colder there than it is here? We amateur astronomers are different than most people in this respect. When someone says there's a beautiful sunset out there tonight, what they mean is that it is cloudy and those clouds are reflecting sunlight in various shades of red, orange, and yellow. Well, I'm an astronomer, and to me, a beautiful sunset sky has no clouds at all. My visual comet hunting talk is this Friday, November 19th at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It will be a Zoom talk to the Sacramento Valley Astronomical Association. Contact me at my email address, dontheastronomer at gmail.com, if you want to receive a link to this talk to listen to it live. Our object this week is the open star cluster M52. Presently, it is high in the northern hemisphere sky at evening twilight as seen from the northern hemisphere. Now, from the southern hemisphere, it's not very high, but this is as good as it gets. This star cluster is magnitude 7.6, and it measures about 9 by 7 arc minutes in size. It sits about 5,100 light years from us, and it's about 25 light years across. It's plotted on Podcast 98, Map 3, which you can get from my website. You can try to see it with the unaided eye, but it's considered beyond reach without optical aid. So, try binoculars. Many of the stars are of uniform brightness, and so through binoculars, nothing in itself may stand out. But also look around at the surrounding area. 
This is an area rich in stars. In a telescope, you can resolve M52 into many, many stars. The brighter stars seem to navigate towards the north, while the fainter stars hang out towards the south. There seems to be some lines of stars headed out toward the northeast. Charles Messier saw this cluster on September 7, 1774, while observing the comet of that year. He described it as containing both stars and nebulosity. We now know there is no nebula associated with this cluster, but his telescope gave a view similar to that of binoculars, and with that view, there may appear to be nebulosity. There is a nebula nearby, but it's not associated with M52. It is the Bubble Nebula, NGC 7635, about half of a degree to the southwest of M52. Under dark skies and good conditions, you may be able to pick up part of that. To recap the podcast, what's up this coming week? A lunar eclipse this Thursday night, Friday morning, and if it's clear, get out and see it. Also, take a look at those planets in the evening sky. And look at M52. Last call to email me if you want to listen live to my talk on November 19th. You have been listening to Looking Up with Don, podcast episode number 98 for November 17th, 2021. I'm Don Mockholtz. Once again, the related website for this podcast is donmockholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com. Two H's. At that website, you can get the maps for each podcast. This one has three maps. You can also find stories of each of my comet discoveries to download and to read. You can contact me at dontheastronomer at gmail.com. Once again, dontheastronomer, all one word, at gmail.com. God willing and pod willing, I'll be back next week for another episode of Looking Up with Don. We'll discuss what's up in the sky, and we'll look at an asteroid and some comets. Thank you for listening. See the sky this week. I'll see you next week.